As you hear sounds coming up in your head, thoughts, you simply listen to them as part of the general noise going on, just as you would be listening to the sound of my voice, or just as you would be listening to cars going by, or to birds chattering outside the window. So look at your own thoughts as just noises. This is Billy Hansen, and welcome to another episode of Sauce Talk, a podcast about sports and the mind and trying to live well in general. Today's episode is an interview with Brandon Jefferson, and it was really a pleasure having him on the podcast. I'm excited about this conversation. Brandon, we go through his whole background as a player, so I'll save that for the conversation, but he was player of the year in the country at Metro and he led them to multiple NCAA tournament appearances in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and they played in a national championship game. And then since graduating from Metro, he has played, I think he's in his eighth season now, playing professionally in Europe. So we had some technical difficulties, unfortunately. We couldn't connect to my normal audio app, and so we recorded it over Zoom, which made it the first, accidentally the first video podcast So if you want to watch us on YouTube, the conversation is also there. Or if you're on YouTube, hello, I'm uh, doing my first video pod here accidentally. Um, But the other problem was that on Zoom, I I wasn't capturing my audio correctly on my end. So thankfully his audio track sounds good, but you'll have to bear with me on my end of the conversation. I don't think it's a huge deal because he does most of the talking and you can still hear what I have to say, but the audio is not up to the normal standard of the podcast, so I apologize for that. But it was still a very cool conversation, so I think you'll get used to the audio and it should be fine. We talk about his whole journey from youth sports into being overlooked as a recruit. Brandon Jefferson is five foot nine, which makes his whole success in basketball all the more impressive. It's really amazing that he's outcompeting so many D1 guards for top spots in Europe, being five foot nine. It's unbelievable. Um, so being overlooked, didn't get any D1 offers, went D2, and then how he blossomed, blossomed into the player that he became. The heartbreak of losing national championship game, uh, his development as a player, his journey in Europe from signing one-year contract after one-year contract and still being overlooked due to his size. And then part, and then finally, lately, he's signed on to a more secure, well-paid situation in Europe. And his family's out there, his wife and his kids. And so we have a cool conversation, too, about his how his attitude towards the game has changed, the different kind of pressure that comes with your performance being tied to your financial well-being and how he's trying to support his family through the game. So that was really cool to hear. He has some great advice for how he maintains his confidence through tough stretches and how to balance basketball and enjoying life in general. So I really enjoyed the conversation and bear with me again on my part of the audio, but I think it should be okay. And now here is my conversation with Brandon Jefferson. Okay, I'm here with Brandon Jefferson. Brandon, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, so 
just a note to my listeners really quick. Since we're in different time zones, Brandon is in France. I am in Denver and I'm just getting started uh, this morning. My first caffeine stuff, it takes me 20 or so minutes to get, uh, to start putting coherent sentences together. And that's, that's my fault. And we had some tech, we had some te- technical difficulties this morning, but I think we're, we're good now. So Brandon, can you start with your youth sports experience, where you grew up and what sports you played as a kid? Uh, yes, I'm from, uh, from Dallas, Texas. And obviously, you know, Texas is a big football state. So I played football growing up all the way up to high school, ninth grade. But I, I, I played basketball, track, soccer. Uh, it was really soccer, track, and uh, football and basketball were my main sports. Mm-hmm. But in terms of basketball, uh, I've started playing with my church. Uh, we organized a little select team. And that's how I really got my start uh, early in the days. So all throughout, you know, elementary school and middle school, I was playing select. And that's really how I was like, I can make it in basketball, even though I was short and everybody, but I knew I had a real talent. But uh, my fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, we won AAU national championship with my team. We had a pretty stacked team, so. I can name a couple of people, Jackson Jeffcoat, mm. uh, that went on to play uh, football at the University of Texas, had a little bit of stint in the NFL. Now he's doing his thing in the Canadian Football League. Uh, we had Casey Ross Miller. Uh, we had Evan Washington. We just had a lot of big names. Ray McCollum. I'm sure some of the listeners have heard of him. So, yeah, we had a pretty stacked team. So we won back to back to back. So... After that, you know, the momentum just kept going. And then, you know, obviously the Metro story is crazy how I got there. I signed yeah. July yeah, July 4th. I signed very late. You know, school started in August. Signed late July 4th. I was uh, Coach Clark's first recruit. Uh, yeah. And the rest was history. <laughs> it was just crazy how that happened. So. Yeah, I want to back up a little bit. So you – when if you think back to when you were winning um, – these AAU championships, right. did you, when you were that young, did you know you wanted to play college and professional basketball? Uh, you know, when you're young, you know, third or fourth grade, fifth grade, you just, you know, play whatever your parents throw you in, you know. But I knew I had a gift. Like, I, I could shoot back. My, my father always telling me, like, I, I was able to shoot at that age from distance. So mm. it was really that or soccer. Like, those were my two passions. But it was either one of those two I wanted to, you know, pursue uh, 100% of the time. So, Did you play soccer through high school? Actually, no. I stopped my ninth grade, and that's when I finally figured out I, just, I was just going to stay with basketball. So, Okay. Yeah, I and, played select uh, soccer all the way up until ninth grade, and then I stopped. So. Okay. And I'm curious about your, um, your recruiting. So I'm a little bit surprised that you signed so late. What, what was the yeah. recruiting like through high school? Did you have – any looks from yeah schools or uh, you know, with all stuff? those yeah. with all those championships we won you know a lot of our guys was getting looked you know I was getting looked it's just my height you know I've been this height since you know since middle school you know mm. so uh, early in my high school years I had Georgetown like my ninth grade year Georgetown was on me heavy mm. uh, sending me letters written letters calls you know almost every day uh, and then. You know, just I had a lot of good D1 offers or like not offers, but like looks. Uh, Northern Colorado 
was one of them. Uh, a couple of schools in North Carolina, I think Wilmington was one of them. Uh, and a, c- a couple of West Coast schools, but, you know, they just never sent that offer in, you know. So hmm. uh, it was always, you know, you're too small or whatever. And then, you know, I was going to end up going to Juco in Kansas hmm. until Coach Clark called. Like, I was getting ready to sign at the Juco in Kansas, and Coach Clark called while I was in Florida at Disneyland with my – or Disney World, whichever one is in Florida, with my hmm. family. And he was like, well, I'm the new head coach at, you know, Metro State. I, I said, I've never heard of Metro State. And he just explained to me where it was at. And, you know, that next week I went on a visit, you know, July 4th, I ended up signing. So, mm. And do you remember thinking, was there any anything in your mind at that time about thinking about trying to go JUCO and then go D1? Was yes, for sure. I wanted, you know, D one is everyone's goal. You know, yeah. either D one or bust. You know, that's how I looked at it. But yeah, going to Metro was a blessing. Like actually, my dad's plan for me was to play one or two years at Metro and then try to leave. Hmm. But you know, obviously, we ended up staying, and that was probably the best decision. So, and what, were your parents athletes? Was your dad an athlete? No, my dad played football. Okay. But, yeah, he went to the Navy, so he didn't go to college for sports or anything. So. Okay. And then my mom, she didn't play any sports, so I don't okay. know how I got this gift, you know, to God. <laughs> so yeah. And what about yeah. do you have any do you have any siblings? Yes, my brother plays at Shadron right now. Oh really? How's he doing? Well, and then yeah, my sister, uh, she's a school teacher. So. Okay, cool. So you sign with Metro, and then what are your expectations like showing up to metro you're thinking you're gonna come out and ball right away what what, what was it like walking on on the campus for the first time i mean coming out of high school i was the man on the team obviously you yeah. get there your first year and it's a big big shock you know mm-hmm. i'm 18 years old everybody else on the team is 21 and older mm-hmm. so they didn't, didn't really hang out with me so i'm really by myself away from home for the first time in my life so i was homesick a lot I got kicked out of practice quite a bit times because, you know, I was just behind, didn't know what to do. So it's a lot of crazy stories about my freshman year. Like, coach was ready to, you know, I was ready to quit and coach was ready to, like, let me go. So really, that year, that year was a rough year, but I'm glad I made it through. You got kicked out of practice for, I'm curious, what like just bad behavior or missing class? Or yeah, what yeah, individuals will be in individuals, and mm-hmm. Coach Clark will be yelling at me. I'm like, yo, like, who are you talking to like that? You know, I'm not <laughs> used to somebody, you know, yelling at me. That's not my, you know, my family like that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, who are you talking to like that? And he's like, you know what, just get out of practice because, you know, I'm going through the motions, like not going <laughs> hard. So that's that's one example. Another example is I'm late to our meeting. Mm. So he's kicking me out or kicking me out the meeting. Like, don't show up. It's just little things like that. You know, as a freshman, you don't really take things that seriously. So uh, it was a big wake up call. Okay. And you, I was going through your stats. Looks like you had, you know, got playing time, played pretty well freshman year, but not nearly as good as you played later in your career. So how did you guys do as a team freshman year? Uh, My freshman year, I believe we lost. Second round, I believe. Second round in the tournament. And what about the, uh, what about the RMAC tournament? RMAC. I think we came in second place in RMAC. I think Mines finished first. Okay. That year. Okay. Yeah, Mines finished first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That year they finished first. So. Okay, and then moving into your sophomore season, um, 
were you still, were you on better terms with the coach wanting to stay? How was your yeah, attitude so, like going to sophomore season? So at the end of my freshman season, uh, there was a big fight that happened with a recruit when they came on campus hmm. and coach ended up kicking off eight players. Really? And like me and three other players were the only players that stayed or like was able to stay on the team. So we had four, mm. four returners going to the next season. So coach recruited eight new players. Mm. So, you know, I was a player that was been there already, even though I was only going to be a sophomore. Mm. So that was a big change, but that's what the program needed to, you know, take that big step that we made. And, you know, he brought in some great recruits and, you know, we had, we still had Jonathan Morse. We still had Reggie Evans and mm. Paul Brotherson. You know, those were the upperclassmen. And then they had me as a sophomore. So, and then and we brought that, in eight new. Was that four. the recruiting class of McCarron and Kay? Um, yes. Okay. That was their freshman year. That was a freshman. Okay. And Deshaun Phoenix and all them. Mm. So Mitch wasn't able to play his sophomore year because he was ineligible. Because I guess he had got paid or something. I don't okay. know. It was something that happened. So, but he was in practice every day killing us as, as a scout team. So mm. he helped us get better that year. But that was Nick, you know, their freshman year. So that okay. was a good good nucleus right there. So, And then what what happened as a team that year? It's hard to keep track of everything. And Armac, and then did you make the tournament Man. that year? Uh, yes, we made the tournament. Uh, we actually made it to Elite Eight that year. We beat Mines. They were number one in the country. Mm. We beat them in a the regional final at their place. Mm to go to Elite Eight and we lost in Elite Eight by on a on a buzzer beater okay. to to Montevello, Montebello, a team I think out of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that year was a great year. You know, we made steps. That was Reggie Evans senior year mm -hmm. and Paul Brothers senior year. So Jonathan Morse, he still had one more year after that. But yeah, we made it to Elite Eight. That was my okay. second year. Okay. And that was my freshman year at Regis, and I was, you know, you were kicking our ass twice a year from from then on. Oh out. yeah, yeah. I don't think I, ever, I don't think I ever lost to Regis my my four no. years there. So no way, yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, now that Regis is competitive and like yeah. beating Metro and playing Metro, like thinking back to when I, when I was playing, that was unheard of. You guys are so nice. Yeah, you guys in my you had uh, what was your coach's name again? The coach I was there, Coach Porter. Porter, that's him. All right, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. like Porter. I mean, he's crazy, but I like. Him. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Okay, so I want to talk to you about your junior season because you really took a, a leap personally that year. Yeah. So yeah. just so the listeners know, 15 points on per game on 49% shooting, 42% from three. Mm -hmm. What do you think – what was the, the difference for you personally between sophomore and junior year? Uh, I think the game slowed down for me more and I actually started getting in the weight room. Okay. I started taking the weight room a lot more serious, you know, mm. working on my body on and off the court. And, and like I said, the game slowed down for me more. And, you know, I, I was comfortable in coach's system and we, he had confidence in, you know, he, he gave me more reign of what I can do. Mm. So, you know, like you said, I took that next step, you know, Jonathan Morse was a senior in that year. We had a good senior group, but obviously we lost in the national championship. Yeah, uh, it was which still hurts to this day. I want to talk but, to you about that, but but yeah. yeah. So first, let's let's go back to the Armac Championship, though. Um, oh yeah, okay. So let's see. I think you guys were down one, and you had the mm -hmm. ball. And so I just wanted to like take me back to that play because you had this like you know one on one isolation step back right. jump shot. Was there a play call? Was it just a clear up for you? 
how did that play go down and how did you feel so confident just having the ball and taking the shot? Cause I remember you had a lot of good players on that team right, and, you, right. and, you, and it almost looked like you just like, no, no, no I'm taking this one. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, let me take you back to the play before that. Uh, yeah. I was guarding Marcus Ayala from uh, Fort Lewis. Yeah. And we knew he was getting the ball. Cause you know, he's a go-to guy down the stretch. So I'm guarding him. Uh, I gamble for a steal, miss it. He gets the ball, makes a reverse layup. We call a timeout. Mm. And I just feel Coach Clark's eyes staring at me <laughs> the whole way, the whole way to the, the timeout. So I'm just in my head like, man, like I got to do something. Like So the play was really for me. I, he wanted me to get the ball and make a play. But I knew I wasn't passing at all. Mm. So, you know, I just wanted to get to my spot, get the step back, get a, you know, you know, that's my go-to move. So I knew once I got, a little bit of space, I can. I felt confident in making it. So, hmm. you know, J-Mo, J Jonathan Moore set a good screen for me at half court, got that man off me. Then I got the matchup I wanted on the wing against Jared, you know, and get, got to my step back, you know, and made it. So, you know. Nice. And but for the play before, I knew I had to make a play after my defensive <laughs> mistake. So, Yeah. And for listeners, I'm linking – in the show notes this episode, I'm linking that shot from YouTube so you can go watch the game winner. So then, yeah, let's move on to the tournament. Um, obviously, you guys had a great tournament and um, made it all the way to the championship game. I remember watching that game with my roommate from my dorm yeah. on um, CBS. It was like yeah. a big yeah. deal. Um, so, yeah, tell me about the game. And then I'm interested after all this time has passed how you feel about – I know you guys were up 17, right? Yeah, um, yeah, 17 at one point. Halftime yeah. was up, I don't know, 15 or whatever. But, yeah. but yeah, like – like, it was a big deal for sure. Like, we was able to be with the D1 guys, mm -hmm. like, because we was all in Atlanta. So Right, that year, that year they had yeah. D1, D2, D3, all in right. the same Right, it was all together. So, right. so the Final Four for D1 was there, which was, you know, amazing. So we got to, you know, tour everything with all the D1 guys, meet all those big-time coaches that come, you know, to the Final Four. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was really big-time, man, but – but let me take you back to the game before that uh, when we played uh, West Liberty mm. and uh, the the Final Four game at West Liberty, and we played them in Kentucky. And, you know, I felt like that was a championship game right there because, you know, they were number one in the country, the highest scoring team in the country. They, mm. I think they was averaging over 100 points a game. Mm. And they had the player of the year on their team. Uh, and, you know, we was a big-time underdogs, and I think we ended up beating them 83 to 76. You know, they, you know, we had, like, 25 turnovers that game because, you know, they pressed the full game. Mm. But, you know, coach and everybody just, you know, we just locked in. You know, that that felt good. And then, you know, obviously we had to take a week off, and, the, you know, the next week is when we went to Atlanta. Mm. But, yeah, man, like, to this day, I still think about losing. Like, I think about the, the one and one free throw I missed mm. when we was uh, – I think we was up one. Yeah, we was up one. I got fouled. One and one missed the first one. And Nick K got the rebound. He got fouled. Then he missed the one and one free throw. Mm -hmm. And then I, I fouled the guy and he made, you know, both of his free throws. And then, you know, we tried to get a shot at the end and missed. So, like, you know, that, that moment right there made me take my free throws more seriously, too. So, ever mm -hmm. since then, I've been shooting over 90% from the free throw line. That's really interesting. I was going to ask you that. So yeah. I looked at your stats and you were, you know, in the 70s, I think, for your first three yeah. years, right? 
Okay. Yeah, just, you know, just not taking my free throw seriously. And it came back to, you know, hurt us at the end. Okay. So, you know, I just started, you know, I got back in the gym. It was just, you know, focus on my free throws. And, you know, my senior year, I shot, I think, 93% from the free throw line. And I shot yeah. over 250 free throws that year. So, which is amazing. So, what, what did you actually yeah. do in the offseason to work on the free throws? Was it just shooting a bunch of them? Did you change your routine at all, your mindset? Yeah, or anything? no, I didn't change my routine. I just, man, I, I couldn't even tell you. It was just a mental thing, you know, like, just like, yo, these is like, these, like, win you games, you know, free throws, turnovers, and layups, win you or lose you games. So, yeah. I remember the first day of practice, my senior year, Coach Clark reenacted that, that play. He put me at the free throw line with, with how many seconds left, and I missed the free throw again hmm. in practice. And he was just like, I did that so you can, like, forget that moment and move forward. Hmm. And, you know, that helped me a lot. So just, hmm. you know, not reliving that. So because I take that loss on myself because that free throw, like, I don't blame Nick. You know, Nick had a shot after me. Yeah. And he missed. But, you know, I'm the guard. I'm supposed to, you know, lead us to that victory at the end with free throws. So, you know, that's weighed on me heavy to this day. But, you know, I've gotten better from it. Taking a quick break from the conversation to thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm always happy to hear from people who are listening. So you can reach out to me at contact at billyhanson.net to connect or make a suggestion for a guest or give any feedback on the podcast. I would love to hear from you. My new book is out and available. It's called Harder Than I Thought, Easier Than I Feared with the subtitle Sports, Anxiety, and the Power of Meditation. And the book is about my own athletic journey from youth sports through college basketball and specifically some of the mental difficulties that I suffered from as a college athlete and how the practice of meditation and working with a very skilled sports psychologist helped me recover from those difficulties. Um, The book, I think, is a perfect resource to hand to a struggling athlete, an athlete who has fallen out of love with their sport or is dealing with a slump or a difficult time on the court or off the court or both. And hopefully an athlete who reads my book will put it down with a new perspective on their sport and will feel like they're not the only one who's gone through what they're going through. And there's some tips in there for how to get back on track and to find peak performance and joy on the court or on the field. So if you're interested, you can pick up a copy, billyhanson.net forward slash book, and you can also find it on Amazon. Other ways to support the show is to smash that like, no, I'm just kidding, is to leave a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify, and I guess now you can subscribe to me on YouTube uh, because this video will be there too, or at least this podcast. And if you've read the book and you liked it, you can leave a review on Amazon, which helps me find new readers. And the best way to stay in contact with my work is to subscribe to my newsletter, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening. And now back to my conversation with Brandon Jefferson. So then senior year, you went absolutely crazy. I'll read some stats off for the listeners. 22 points per game, broke the Metro single season scoring record, which is a big deal at Metro given the history of the program and how many good players have been there. 45% 45% from both the floor and the three-point line, uh, 92 from the line, and then you averaged 26 in the tournament, and you were player of the year in the country, right? Yes, I was, yeah. I got all three awards for player of the year. Jesus. Okay, so 
tell me like what happened that season what, what was your mind like going through game by game by game yeah like you know obviously coming off that heartbreak you know i was just well i was locked in yeah from that summer on and plus i knew it was my last season i was like if i want to play continue my career mm-hmm. overseas you know i got to do something you know so i was just locked in and then preseason awards came out and i wasn't even player of the year in the conference they had, they, get it they, had, they had Alex Herrera. Okay. Not even Derek White. Not yeah. even Derek White. Yeah. So, you know, that pissed me off too. So, <laughs> yeah. I remember looking at it with my assistant coach. I remember it to, like it was yesterday. And he was like, well, here you go. That's your motivation right there. So, yeah, that even gave me more, you know, motivation for that, that whole season. So, I just wanted to go out there and just destroy everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, t- the tournament that game, what, did you make the Elite Eight? No, no, we lost in the Final Four on a buzzer okay. beater. Oh, your senior year? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. okay. And how does that loss compare with the championship loss? Just as heartbreaking or not quite? Uh, I don't know. I think I should have two national championships, to tell you <laughs> the truth. Yeah. But, you know, you got to have some luck, you know, in the tournament. So Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'll say, I think I don't know, man. They both, they both is heartbreak. Like, cause I, I enjoyed my senior year team, and I enjoyed my junior team. But senior year, I just felt I had a lot of pressure on my shoulders. My senior year, yeah, just you know, just to repeat, you know, from the last season, and then they're like, I'm the singer now, so everybody's looking at me. So, yeah, I didn't, I don't tell, I don't tell many people that, but I had a lot of pressure that year. But you know, I took that pressure on, so. Yeah, like with the preparation, and so I was confident going to every game. So, yeah. And how do you would think about back to your college career, given that you were looked over, like you know, weren't getting mm-hmm. the recruiting attention that you deserved out of high school because of your size? Did right. that play a role in your mind? Did you have something of a chip on your shoulder about how you know? Well, you're five nine, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, how did that? dynamic play into your motivation to have such a great college career? Uh, I just knew I had to do the extra things, you know, I had to do extra things to stand out, you know, cause I'm not going to get the benefit of the doubt being five, nine, you know, if I'm six, six, you know, people are going to be like, all right, maybe he can play, you know, they're going to give him opportunity. So I just had to go out there and do the extra things to stand out you know, and show people that I can play, you know, I'm here to stay, but, I mean, I still deal with it to this day, you know, playing overseas right now, mm. you know, because I get looked over every summer. Mm. And, like, all I need is that one GM, that one coach to believe in what I can bring to the table. And, you know, I can just show everybody, you know, that I can play. So, And so after your senior year at Metro, you were – did you play in the summer league with the Nuggets? Yes. I played the summer league. I was on the practice team, but I did not go with them to Vegas. Okay. And so what, what was your – did you have – did you feel like you had a shot to try to make your way into an NBA uh, roster? What, what was your – Nah, your to, to tell you the truth, I wasn't ready. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. But even during the little training camp, I was, hand, I was like, doing my own thing. Like, I was I – was, I was handling it perfectly, but I wasn't ready. Like, mentally, I wasn't ready. Mm. So – but, like, if I, I wanted to get another chance that next summer, but it never came because I felt like I was more ready than ever. Just okay. to, to okay. just experience it, but, you know, that opportunity never came, so. 
But then wh- where did you first sign overseas? Uh, I went to Finland. Okay. And was that – it's hard for me to, to understand the, the kind of hierarchy in the leagues over there. Where does that rank amongst uh, the leagues? Yeah, Finland, the Finland is kind of low, but it's a good starting level. Okay. You know, obviously me coming from D2, mm-hmm. uh, being 5'9", so player of the year. So it was a good start because we played European competition. Okay. And that's really what you want to do, like to get exposure in over other countries. So that means – like we have our domestic league in Finland, but then we travel to like Italy, Germany mm. to play those European teams, like, you know, in our league. So that gave me more, you know, exposure from other countries and coaches. So that was you, had, good. you had a good year. Did you start and play a lot? And stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I believe I averaged 18. Mm. Uh, I was second team all league my uh, rookie season. So it was solid. Solid. Yeah. Okay, and then let me check my notes here. You went to um, Germany next. Germany next. Okay. Germany next, and that was a, that was a tough year for me. It was. Uh, it was a more physical league, mm. and I wasn't used to the physicality, so that really got me ready. You know, it really helped my career. But that year, my shooting percentage was terrible. But I was still all I was honorable mention all league, so that mm. was a good thing. But between you and me, it was it was a bad year. It was a it was a it just wasn't a good fit for me. It was a real physical mm-hmm. league, and I wasn't ready for that you know physical that physicality. Okay, and then Slovenia the next year. Yes, I played with Union Olympia, uh, the okay. home of Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I played there. We played European competition, and you know that was a year I really grew up as a basketball player. That year, have you met? I Luka? really learned it. I haven't met Luka. Okay. But, uh, you know, like he's the man. He's, you know, obviously he's the man there. Yeah. Uh, so they probably have the best gym in Europe or one of the best gyms in Europe. Mm. So I got to play there every day. Uh, and that's where I really learned the European basketball style of play there. And then what do you mean? Like, what specifically does that mean, the European basketball style? Like, how did your game have to adjust to, to fit the, yeah, fit the culture? The, uh, the reads off a of pick and roll was a big thing. Mm. Uh, like, what are you looking for when you come off a of pick and roll? Like, side pick and roll when they ice you, just stuff like that, defensive schemes. And, like, that's what I mean when I say I learned, you know, the different – the European style of playing. Like, what coaches look for in winning, like, just having good numbers and you're on a, a terrible team. GMs and coaches don't like that. They mm. they just pass over you. They want winners that affect winning in different ways. So mm. that's really when I learned, you know, what what they want over here. So okay, and so I'm curious about the pick and roll reads. Like, could you mm-hmm. point out a, a difference between coming off a pick and roll at Metro versus what you learned in Slovenia and some of the specifics right. of what you're looking for? Right in Metro, I'm coming off pick and roll to score for myself. Mm. You know, create for myself. But you know, I get I get to Olympia. You know, if the hard if they hard heads, you know, I'm looking for that that short roll. Mm. You know, to open up our big man to open up corner shooters. Uh, I'm looking for deep rolls. You know, if they do a drop like they do in the NBA, they do drop. Maybe looking for the deep rolls or over the top for the oops, just mm. stuff like that. Just you know, if they ice you, don't let you use the screen. How you can snake it, and just you know, just stuff like that. Okay, cool. 
And then, so these are all one-year contracts, right? So you, then yes. you, move, you move to Italy the next year? Yes, I go to Italy. That was another crazy experience. Mm. Uh, I was in Sicily, so the island under Italy. Mm. So, no, it was a good experience. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it was part of my journey, man. Like, I don't really have anything bad things about Italy, but it was part of my journey. It helped me grow. Mm-hmm. And so that's really all I got for Italy right there. So, Okay. And then tell me about, like, so you've been in France now for a little bit, but you were on one team and then re-signed finally a two-year yes. deal, right, on the current yes, team? Yes, so okay. I was in second league. I was in second division in France when I first got here. Okay. Uh, our team was uh, called Orleans and it's like, kind of center of France, an hour away from Paris. Mm-hmm. We was in Pro B, so we ended up winning the championship that year. So we mm-hmm. get to move up. And I was the MVP of the of the season and MVP of the finals. Wow. So so that was a big time year. Uh, for okay. Me. Okay. And for listeners, I'm linking the there's some cool Euro highlights of you on YouTube that I've enjoyed watching. So people can get a feel for how you're playing now. It looks like you um just from remember remembering you at Metro and then watching some of your highlights, it looks like you've extended your range a little bit. Yes. Uh, my range has gotten better. Obviously, I've gotten stronger. Got yeah. older, so you know my kind of grown man strength has got here. But <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's yeah, my range and my confidence is it's just grown throughout the years. And they've got a fire truck going by here. So, so did you stay with the same team and sign yes. a two year deal? But you guys are now in the top league. Yes, I just signed another one year deal, but we're in the top league of France. Okay. So. And is that common? Like, I'm curious why you keep getting one year contracts. Does it feel like there's always pressure on you every year to reprove yourself? Or, or no, what? exactly. Yeah. You said it right yeah. there. It's pressure every year. Like, like then during the summers is the worst. Like, you look at Sportondo, you look at Eurobasket.com, you see players signing. You're like, man, I, I played this guy and I killed him. Hmm. Why is he signing before me? So it's just, it's just every summer is like that. So you got to prove yourself yeah. each year. Have you been with an, the same agent this whole time? No. That's another okay. crazy story. I, I fired five agents so far. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So that's, okay. the, that's another key for all the listeners. <laughs> yeah. If you want to play overseas, get you a solid agent that's going to work for you. Okay. So what – yeah, that's a good – so I've had quite a few guests on here. Some of them have carved out, you know – some time overseas i've had other teammates at regis who are good weren't mm-hmm. to weren't to your level but they were good players and mm-hmm. they've really struggled to to, to make a, a fit out there and i know it's hard it's hard yeah. because yeah i know it's not they, for everybody it's yeah they have limited limited spots out there for americans right and the, the, mm-hmm. the world the world has gotten so much better over the last decade in terms of talent right right and so in terms of finding the agents like what you said you fired five agents yeah. <laughs> what uh what kind of qualities should an athlete who's looking to go overseas look for in an agent or how do you currently vet agents? What, what, right. what are your thoughts on that? Right. Obviously, you know, we talked about me coming from D2, so I'm not going to be top on the list of a big time agency with, you know, 200 plus clients. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going, I'm just going to be another number. They're going to just try to collect a check, throw mm-hmm. me on the team, not do their research. You know, is Brandon going to fit on that team? You know, is he going – they going to get the most out of him? Hmm. So that was my problem with a lot of agents. Like, 
you know, one agent was just going for the money, not worrying about my career and, you know, getting to the steps to like get to the highest level I can possibly get to. But I can finally say now, after four or five agents, I'm with a great agent now. So hmm. he's helped resurrect my year or my career. So like, like we talked about Slovenia, we was a Euro Cup team, which is the second best league. Obviously, you got Euro League, mm-hmm. and then you got the Euro Cup competition. Euro Cup was right under Euro League, so wow. I was Euro Cup my third year out of D two, which is big time. Mm-hmm. And then that next year, my agent put me in second division Italy. So you so like how re- is that? regressed a little I, bit. Yeah, I got regressed. So everybody's like, "Yo, why did you make that move? You have to start all over now after you just built your mm-hmm. career up in three years." So I fired him. Cause he was just going for the money. Okay. I got a big six figure contract in Italy, mm. but I took a step back. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. So I had to, you know, restart my career or basically start all over after I made tremendous steps in three years. So just stuff like that. And now, now my agent that I would now, you know, he signed me in France and now I'm just, you know, continue to take take them steps back up. So I'm back where I need to be. So I'm going to keep going up. Okay. And then how is this? I saw you guys won last night, right? You played last night? Yeah, we played last night. Uh, a weird game. Very mm-hmm. weird game. 58 foul calls last night. Wow. So it was a very choppy game. No rhythm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, we won. We're 10-6 now, five, fifth wow. in the league. So we're doing well. So Nice, nice. And – I'm curious about this. Like, is there ever going to be a point where you might sign a two or three year deal, or is that just kind of not how it works? No, I'm actually on the two year deal right now. Okay. With this so team. Did yeah. that find? Did that finally feel good? Like you had, you know, a little nah, bit of leeway. Nah, for- <laughs> felt, you know, it felt amazing, man. Yeah. And like I got, I got big money, so it felt amazing. You know, the city is nice. We're in the south of France. Mm. You know, the weather is nice. You know, year round, right next to Spain. So, you know, my family's able to be out here with me. You know, actually, my wife is from Denver. So, okay. you know, it's, it's just been great. So, yeah, okay. yeah, that two-year deal, is, this is a big difference from signing the one-year deals, especially yeah. during COVID time. Mm. Like, people forget about COVID. The money is down. Mm. You know, teams are using that as an excuse. Mm. In France, you, your contract is guaranteed. Mm. So, no matter if the league shuts down, they still have to pay you. Okay. So, that's another reason I wanted to come back to France because it was guaranteed. So, well, congratulations, man! That's amazing that you carved all yeah, that out. It, you know, yeah. do you have a? Uh, do you have kids? Yes, I have a baby on the way, and I have a son. Wow, uh, congratulations! And they're out there with you. In yeah, France? they're out there right now. He's going to school at an international school, so like this city's been perfect. So, cool. That's really cool. And what uh, is this? The favorite? Your favorite place you've been so far in Europe? What have been some cool places? I've been in Jerusalem. Mm. That was big time. Mm. Uh, where else have I been? Turkey. Istanbul is nice. Mm. Uh, and I've been all over, man. Just I still need to go to Barcelona. That's coming up. So I'm trying mm. to get there soon. But I've been to Spain a couple times. Uh, but I don't know. My favorite place to play country is France, for sure. Okay. So. Nice. I'm uh, curious if you, maybe some specific basketball stuff. Um, so you have this move that you were doing at Metro and you're still doing it now. And like I mentioned, looks like now you have even more range with it. 
it's that crossover into a pull-up over size. And every time you shoot it, it looks to me like a tough shot that would, wouldn't yeah. be high percentage. And somehow you shoot a really high rate at that. I'm curious right. how you think about that shot and if there's anything specific you do in your training to practice it or how you learned it growing up. How do you think about that move that you've had so much success with over time? Uh, that's just summer work. Uh, you know, every day getting in the gym with my brother and my trainer. I don't really have a trainer, but, you know, people that I'm really close to just putting in that work, just, you know, trying to, you know, utilize that move just to get, just to get that space, you know, to get my shot up uh, mm. over those tall defenders. But it's just repetition, you know, watching, you know, Steph Curry is my favorite player. Mm. So I just kind of watch, you know, what he does. You know, obviously, he's the greatest shooter ever to me or to a lot of people. But I just watch how he just gets separation, you know, and just try to put mm -hmm. that into my game, you know, being a smaller guy. So you, I got to get that separation to get my, my shot up. Okay. Are there any skills or aspects of your training that you wish you would have emphasized earlier? Things that you've learned over time that you work on a lot now that you didn't emphasize early on? Yeah. Uh I'll say a lot of band band work, okay. resistance and band work. I would, uh, you know, emphasize that more when I was in high school and college because we mm. didn't do no band work in college. It mm. was straight weights. Uh, but, mm. you know, as I came to Europe, you know, they don't really, you know, they lift weights, but not as seriously as, you know, the, the States. Mm. They more band work, resistant work. So I would have definitely put that into my game earlier to, you know, make me quicker, you know, more agility. So just stronger in the muscles that you don't really think about like mm. my, sh my, my shoulders and my, and oh, another thing, a hip mobility, mm. you know, that's what I've been working on a lot. The hips is very important. So that's another thing I wish I would have implemented a long time ago. And is that through stretching or yoga or yeah, stretching <laughs> yoga with the bands, just, mm. just a lot of like, yeah, getting on that yoga mat, just doing different exercises for the hips, you know, mm. There's, there's a point when I started last year, I was sore for, for days just doing it, just doing it once. So mm. that's how, that's how much, that's how much work I needed to do for my hips. Mm. Okay. And then what about mental preparation? How do you prepare? Do you have a routine for game day buildup before a game, getting yourself ready to play? Oh yeah. I got the same routine I've had for years. Uh, just with the game day routine, how many shots I get, just just stuff like that. And, you know, every day in practice, I do my same shooting routine that I do. So it's just, you know, that mental preparation routine. And, you know, obviously, you know, being overseas, you know, there's pressure. It's a different type of pressure. you got to perform to put, you know, food on your table for your family, you know, because mm -hmm. the team can cut you. So you got to perform. you got to do what the team needs you to do. So it's just, it's just that, like, this stuff, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of Eric Thomas. I'm sure the listeners have heard of him. Mm. Just just stuff like that. Inky Johnson, just mental, mental you know, preparation. You know, obviously mm. I keep God first in my life. So mm. I'm always at peace regardless of what happens. So that's just the routine, everything I do each week, uh, every day and each week. What is your shooting routine in practice that you've been doing every day? Can you describe it? Yeah, uh... Like when I get in the gym, you know, I just do 70 makes like right close. It's, I try to get swishes like right around the, like the, the charging block, uh, the charging area. Mm -hmm. 
And then I extended to twos, you know, seven spots, you know, corner, wing, both elbows, top, and then the other side, just 10 teammates, 10 makes you spots. Now I go to threes, same thing. So I try to get 200 plus makes a day. Hmm. And like, that's really it every day just to keep the routine and rhythm going. Nice. I'm yeah, curious about what you said about how the, the pressure has changed, say, from when you were in Metro to now your performance is actually linked to your, right. finan- your financial well-being and you have a family right. and kids and stuff. So could you talk a little bit more about that, about dealing with that kind of pressure? Right. Um, how do you handle that? Maybe you've had a couple down games in a row right, right. or you're going through a tough time. Are there anything, is there anything that you do to try to keep level-headed amidst that pressure? Yeah, it's just, like you said, it's all about staying level-headed. You hit it right there. Because uh, you're going to have, there's going to be ups and downs. You know, everything you do in life, there's going to be ups and downs. Yeah, You can't get too high. You can't get too low. Uh, this year has helped me a lot because, you know, my family, my wife was here with me. So, I can vent to her, you know, mm. so and she she's like, yo, it's OK. And like, you know, just feeling my my daughter and her stomach and my son, like looking at them like they're going to love you regardless, mm. you know, of your performance on the court. So but, you know, you just go back when you have a bad game, you just go back to your work you do in the summer. Mm. You know, you say you, you've done this before. Like, so you just go back, sharpen up a couple of things and, you know, just I think confidence is key, though. If you lose your confidence over here, it's going to be a long year. And you probably end up, uh, going, end up getting sent home, like, if mm. your confidence is that bad. So you just got to always stay level-headed, like you said, and then keep that confidence. Yeah, and that's easier said than done. Do you have yeah. – in, in your experience, seeing players lose their confidence and maybe get sent home and any mm. struggles that you've had, is there anything that you've noticed about how to try to keep confidence up in the midst of a tough time? Yes, uh, when you have off time and you're going to get a lot of off time here, mm. get your mind off basketball. Mm. Go do something else. You know, mm. go to the city, go tour another city, go watch a movie, go bowling. Just get your mind off basketball. Clear your mind. Refresh. Mm. And then if you have the opportunity to go home, take that break. Go home for a couple of days. Mm. So just if it's basketball, 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 you're going to lose your mind especially if you're playing bad. So you got to take that mental break. That's very important, man. Like, mm. yeah, I did, like, that's what I've learned over my eight years of being a professional. That's very important. Like, you got to get your mind on basketball sometimes. Like, because mm. you're really going to lose your mind if that's all you think about. Yeah, that's really good advice. And a little bit different from some of the kind of like rah-rah, you've got to be working all the time advice. Right. I, uh, I, I noticed that as a player too, my senior year. Yeah. Uh, I, I I actually enjoyed life a little bit more. And yeah, that's that's yeah. like because life is short, man. Like, yeah, you got to think basketball is a game that you use it. You know, yeah. Obviously, we have a passion for basketball, but like, don't let it use you. You know what I'm saying? Don't mm-hmm. lose your mind over this game. Like, yeah. Remember, you had there's more important things in life than basketball. Like, like you yeah. know, we love basketball, man. I'll be the first to tell you I love basketball, <laughs> but you know, like at the end of the day. It's just a game. Like, you know, you see you see people dying every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, you see people going to work, getting up 9 to 5, and they wishing they could do something else. And we blessed because we doing what we love, mm. and we getting paid for it. Mm. So that's how I look at it. So That's really great. Have your parents been able to come watch you in Europe much? Yes, they've been here a couple times. So Okay. 
But since they, COVID yeah. came, they haven't come, so obviously. But yeah. And are they still in Texas? Yes, they both live in Texas. Uh, they're divorced right now, but, you know, they got a good relationship. But, cool. yeah, they both live in Texas. I have a home in Texas, so. Okay, nice. Um, so what – who are some of your favorite players to watch right now in the NBA? Uh, Steph is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like watching KD. You know, just the big-time people. I like Giannis, just mm-hmm. what he brings, you know, the tenacity. But – uh, I really don't watch a lot of people, man. I watch highlights, but, like, the Warriors highlights, the only one I watch, like, consistently mm-hmm. every night. So that's okay. really that's really the only team I really, you know, focus on. Do you watch uh, much live in games? Do you have time for that? Uh, yeah, I'll catch live games, like, after, you know, because, you know, obviously it comes on at 1 a.m. here during the oh, week, yeah. like those East yeah. Coast games. But, you know, on the weekends when the early game come on, you know, I watch it, so. Okay. And, um do you have you thought any anything about what you might want to? I know you're not thinking about this at this point because you're found a great situation in France. But have you thought much about life after sports oh, or life no, as a no, no. player? Of course, of course. Yeah. You know, I think about it every day. What, you know, what do you? Uh, yeah. During my off time, that's what I think about. Uh, like I used to think I want to coach, but I don't want to deal with the parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know about the high school. I can't. You know, I don't want to deal with the parents, uh, mm-hmm. but I do want to stay in basketball, mm-hmm. whether it's scouting, international scouting or something like that. You know, I've been talking to my agent about that. So, you know, he's helping me out with that. So just stuff like okay. that. I want to definitely stay in the game, though. OK. And then do you see yourself living in the U.S. or Europe long term? Uh, no, no. I'm coming back to the States. You are? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> coming back. You know, I love Europe, but yeah, it's just States, you know. Yeah, there's, there's something different about the states, man. I love the states. And what do you do? You think Denver or back home in Texas? Uh, like I said, my wife is from Denver. She's from Aurora, so mm. I don't know, man. Maybe we might buy a house one day, one or like one day. So, but Texas for now, Texas. Okay, nice. What kind of uh, what kind of music are you into these days? Oh, uh, Drake. Yeah, you like the new Drake. album? Yeah, his album was all right. Mm. You know, I'm gonna defend him. But okay. it was it was solid. J. Cole, I think J. Cole had the best album last year nice. with the off season. Yeah. Uh my wife is into the R and B nineties, so I've been listening to that a lot. So mm. really I don't listen to that many people. So like I'll just say the nineties R and B and a couple rap artists, and that's that's really it. What was your favorite song on the off season? Hunger on the Hillside. Me too. Me too. Uh, yeah, I think Beautiful that was uh, yeah. yeah, I think that was uh number one song of the year last year in my humble yeah. opinion i think that was yeah. the best song of the year yeah it's a beautiful song i love his um like his tempo and his rhyme scheme on that first verse yeah. so, so pretty no nah, that's that yeah. song is serious i like let go of my hand too mm-hmm. but yeah that, that album was serious and what about like all time what, what do you how do you rank what's your favorite j cole project or album mm, that's, a, that's a good question uh i like friday night lights mm-hmm I like 2014, Forest Hill Drive. Mm-hmm. I'll probably have to say Forest Hill Drive. Uh, the off-season, I like, obviously, Friday Night Lights. I like Born Center. That's a very underrated project. That's a great project. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Drake, I don't know, man. That's just, he has a serious catalog, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't have know. You, that's, have that'll you, be tough. 
Have you seen either of them live? I seen J. Cole live in Denver. That's when he first dropped Friday Night Lights. Really? Like where, where was just, that? It, it was in Boulder. So it was at a small okay. venue in Boulder. Wow. It was my freshman year at Metro. You know, we actually snuck out to go to that concert. Like you snuck out yeah. of curfew or what? Yeah, we had curfew. We snuck out, me and two other teammates, and we went to that concert in Boulder. Nice. And that's when it, Friday Night Lights was a week old. So he was wow. still fairly new. So, But I've never been to a Drake concert. Okay. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen Cole a few times. I saw him at Red Rocks with a teammate uh, my senior yeah. year. That was right after Four Hills. That was cool. Uh, but I know that concert was yeah. live. That was dope. Okay, last question, Brandon. Thank you for, for being generous with your time. I know we're a little bit past the hour here, but what is, if you could pick one, I know it's kind of a tough question, but your favorite basketball memory to date? It could be either on court or off court. Like what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Favorite basketball memory? Man. No, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know, man. Just winning the championship in Pro B, being the MVP, like sweeping all the awards that year. Mm. That was big time. But I'll probably say my biggest basketball moment is being in, inducted to the Hall of Fame for Metro. Mm. Uh, two months ago, so that's probably been my biggest, biggest, you know, basketball achievement. That was two months ago. So, were you back in Denver for that? No, my wife okay. went back. And, you know, okay. I had a game that same day, so I couldn't mm. make it. But okay, yeah. So, Coach Clark was able to induct me. Mm. So that was that was a big deal, man. That was that was pretty cool. Like that was pretty that was cool. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well, it's been really fun connecting with you, Brandon. Thank you so much for taking the time, and congratulations with all your success overseas. It's amazing what you've carved sure, out and, and with your new family and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool to see, so thank you. I appreciate it, my man. It was good catching up, and thanks for having me on the podcast. You know, we're going to do this again. Definitely. Let's do it. All right, thanks, Brandon. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. My new book, Harder Than I Thought, Easier Than I Feared, with a subtitle, Sports, Anxiety, and the Power of Meditation, is out and available to order. And you can find links to that in the show notes or by going to billyhanson.net forward slash book. The book is the perfect resource for a struggling but committed athlete who needs a new perspective on their sport and how it relates to their life in general. And so if you are interested or if you know an athlete who might be interested or a coach or a parent, you should pick up a copy in print, ebook, or audiobook format. Other ways to support me is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you should consider subscribing to my newsletter, billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter to get updates on anything I'm up to there. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will see you here for the next episode. It's the sauce.